Um, hello everybody and kia ora. Um, so in today's webinar uh, we will talk about the new Austroads guidance uh, to help transport agencies manage the planning, installation and operation of charging infrastructure for low and zero emission vehicles. We have almost 400 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm the Senior Communications Officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with one of our presenters, Norman Chong, who will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. Um, the project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Future Vehicles and Technology Program, which is managed by VBK Matthews. A bit of housekeeping. Our presenters will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The slides and the report uh, for today can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon on your sidebar. If your question relates to any particular slide, include the number of uh, that slide in your message to help us answer your question as best as we can. Also, let us know if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, um, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session using your email registration link usually helps. Um, this session is being recorded and we will let you know when uh, the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, uh, you can also find Austroads in your podcast app. So it gives me great pleasure uh, to introduce our presenters for today, uh, Norman Chong. Norman is uh, an operations manager with more than 15 years experience in the transport industry, both in public and private sector. Uh, he has extensive experience in operations, project planning and delivery, um, intelligent transport systems and connected and automated vehicles. Our second guest is David Sylvester. David is a principal uh, transport planner at Becca uh, with a 40-year background in transport sector leadership, uh, providing high-level advice, spending policy development and practical application of um, integrated transport plans and programs. So welcome to our presenters and over to you, Norman. Thank you, Katarina. Um, first of all, I'd like to just introduce the project working group for this particular project. Um, first of all, we have Fiona Ray from Department of Infrastructure Planning and Logistics uh, Northern Territory, uh, Jack Longridge from Department of Transport and Main Roads Queensland, uh, Raj Richandri from Transport for New South Wales, uh, Jeremy Burden from Department of Victoria. Department of Transport in Victoria, uh, and Rick Barber from New Zealand Transport Agency. Uh, these guys helped out, held out the project significantly uh, as a project working group and provide valuable feedback uh, on the project. Uh, so next I'll hand it over back to David, who will go, go through the slides. Thank you, Norman, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, the uh, purpose um, of this uh, piece of work was recognised by the Future Vehicles and Technology Program um, uh, for, for a while now, um, particularly around zero and low emission vehicles. Um, which are seen as being a, a, an emerging um, and uh, uh, in the future being a significant part of the vehicle fleet. Uh, some councils uh, and transport agencies uh, have already been providing charging stations, uh, such as at uh, information centres, particularly with councils. Uh, and another example is with uh, Queensland's uh, superhighway network that they've been developing. 
As a result, and following discussion with Austroids members, it was felt that it would be a benefit having a guideline for the installation of charging stations on roads that members control. Our research um, methodology uh, involved uh, reviewing what has been happening uh, both across Australia and New Zealand uh, and also internationally. Uh, and we're particularly focused on the United States, Europe uh, and the United Kingdom. To supplement the literature review, we carried out a series of one-on-one -on -one interviews uh, and some group workshops to gain a good understanding of what the issues were what people wanted to focus on when considering uh, electric vehicle charging stations uh, and any latest thinking that had not been picked up in the literature. This diagram here uh, provides uh, a bit of an overview of um, <clears throat> uh, the equipment um, uh, that is involved with respect to electric vehicles. So an EV charger is the mechanism used to charge the battery of electric vehicles with electrical energy. Uh, as a collective, the different types of chargers and their components can be labelled as electric vehicle supply equipment. All electric vehicles require DC power to charge the battery. However, there are three categories under which charging the battery can be achieved. The first one is with AC type chargers. This refers to an inbuilt de device known as an onboard charger, as shown on the left hand side of the diagram. It generates energy for low and zero um, electric vehicle motors by converting the power from AC to DC supply, which is then stored in the vehicle's battery. The converter inside the vehicle is much smaller than standard AC to DC converters, and so a smaller power supply is given over to a over a longer period. The DC type charger uh, is an installed piece of equipment in a public place which uses power from pre-existing supplies. The charging station internally converts AC to DC and is attached to the vehicle's DC charging port with the station's permanent cables. As the converters are much larger, the power supplied uh, to the vehicle can be supplied at a much faster rate. The charging cables. This refers to the, the required cables when using the onboard charger. They do not charge the electric vehicle, but they are responsible for controlling the flow of AC to the onboard charger. There are a variety of charging hardware options, and this diagram outlines the range of charging station types and time to charge, going from the basic AC charger for occasional use through to the DC ultra-fast chargers for people traveling on long distance trips, uh, such as on the main highways network. Obviously, there is a balance to be struck between the charging cost and the equipment for speed. For example, home installations uh, might be under $1,000, but take hours to charge a vehicle, uh, which is fine for um, urban commuting, uh, where there is time to charge the vehicle overnight. While an ultra-fast uh, charger or setup will cost uh, in excess of $100,000, uh, but can charge a vehicle in 10 to 30 minutes. We looked at a variety of um, overseas case studies, but I just want to outline briefly here two that we looked at. Uh, one was around Florida and the United States of America. Um, this is approximately the size of uh, Victoria. Uh, they have a master plan to roll out uh, electric vehicle uh, infrastructure on the state's network of public highways. Currently they've installed in excess of 1300 charges already. Part of this is to overcome the anxiety range or the range anxiety, um, as well as to ensure um, efficient uh, evacuation routes. In Europe, as a lot of you will be aware, roughly around 50% of residents with cars rely on on-street parking. 
i.e. they don't have garages. Therefore, they've explored a range of solutions such as pop-up pavement charges, lamppost charges, roadside charging cabinets, and even wireless charging. Of course, in Australia, uh, in most places, um, and also in New Zealand, there is a much higher percentage of people with access to off-street parking. Having said that, there are a number of inner city areas, both in Australia and New Zealand, that are in a similar situation to Europe. So from um, all our reviews, uh, we put together a number of key findings uh, from the research. Uh, firstly, we confirm the benefits of having a set of guidelines uh, that outlines minimum requirements, reference to the broad range of standards that there are, and a checklist of key considerations. Identifying the common combination of charges, including plate types, charging speeds, uh, and the number for charging stations. This is uh, particularly important uh, given the multiplicity of options there are out there at the moment. It was also felt important that we understand the data requirements so that charging stations can be operated and maintained properly and assist with future planning. And of course, site security and uh, mitigation of vandalism uh, was an important feature which came up. While there's an understanding, um, uh, what's the, there is um, understandably a lot of focus on charging sites for long distance travellers, there was also a need for either urban on-street charging sites or using um, public car parking sites. In the main, uh, this will be for business and shared um, vehicles that might do uh, several hundred kilometres travel in a day. And of course, um, important to consider future technologies and where this is all heading. There are obviously many new ideas and refinements coming out, and I'll talk about some of those later on. Uh, future proofing, um, and particularly looking at, out over the next five years, uh, as the technology is moving rapidly, and there is the trade-off between cars getting uh, a longer and longer range with providing closely spaced charging stations on highways. So in the guidelines, what are some of the things that we covered? Firstly, um, planning considerations. Liaising, um, uh, the, looking at the importance of liaising with various statutory authorities and local councils. Design aspects. Uh, we're not trying to cover uh, every, every aspect, um, but certainly the majority of users and considerations for them. Interoperability, um, obviously this is an important area, uh, acknowledging common protocols that are out uh, there at the moment, and also cyber security standards. Um, I'd emphasize the importance of linking in with your IT people for advice and uh, integration with what your agencies are doing. The actual operations of the, um, uh, of the sites themselves, including such things as payment systems. Uh, we also look to cover uh, maintenance, making sure that the sites are well maintained and safe and with enough room for crews to do their job. And lastly, decommissioning. So what were some of the areas that we um, particularly considered? Uh, firstly, um, public urban areas. Um, including uh, multiple urban trips, rural town and car parks, catering for long distance travellers, and also um, the potential for rural highway installations and, um, and service um, centres, again, primarily for long distance travellers. DC charges would are generally preferred to reduce the charging time to something reasonable. Uh, but also um, uh, need a given range of vehicles that can make use of it. 
site selection uh, considerations. If possible, it's important to have a good balance um, to have charging stations within walking range to various um, amenities, uh, such as restrooms, restaurants and cafes, rest areas, uh, and parks so that drivers and passengers can have a good break. There are safety benefits um, of this, uh, as well as um, just the opportunity for charging the vehicles and encouraging by encouraging people to take a decent, decent break. One of the things is that it's important to consult with key stakeholders, including local businesses and residents, who can be the greatest uh, supporters and caretakers um, of these um, installations. And also, that given some of these facilities will be off highway, good wayfinding is important, along with safe ingress and egress. Planning aspects. Obviously, these um, vary um, between countries, uh, between New Zealand and uh, Australia, and uh, to some extent across states. Uh, we've get, just given a, a very high level flow here, um, but obviously um, planning consent uh, approvals are important um, to understand um, and uh, to uh, work with. So the key thing is, is to work with councils, particularly with the development of model charging sites to make the approval process more streamlined. One thing we found um, a lot of people, uh, operators were finding was that um, uh, there were quite significant barriers with um, particularly with local authorities um, who, uh, uh, a lot of whom don't really understand how uh, these um, uh, installations will work um, and therefore take a while to uh, uh, provide their approvals. So if we can provide some um, uh, models, model charging sites um, uh, and what's, uh, what works, that will be um, important. In terms of the local layer, Ostroads has provided a, a lot of very good advice and guidance on site layout, uh, particularly for car parking, etc., uh, and also including ingress and egress, particularly off the highway, uh, and also around accessible, having an accessible charging bays, and uh, also providing room for maintenance crews. We have also provided a guide to the number of charging bays and duration. As discussed before, um, on-street charging can have its um, own challenges, but some of the key features um, were provided on here. Firstly, around uh, good signage and uh, wayfinding, um, having distinctive pavement markings, ensuring space uh, for pedestrians um, as well as the charging equipment, uh, a safe charging station, uh, and space for vehicles to move uh, um, into uh, in beside the um, charging station. So bringing this all together, we've um, suggested um, the number of charging bays uh, and type for um, different uh, situations. As you can see here, um, in uh, primarily the, the urban areas, um, we're suggesting at least four charging bays of these uh, various um, type of ports. Um, and for less um, busy areas, um, at least two charging bays with access to both um, to uh, um, DC, um, to one DC um, port. In the rural highway uh, environment, um, in those areas where there's relatively low to medium uh, traffic. Um, uh, we're proposing um, uh, four um, charging bays uh, with access both to DC and um, AC uh, facilities. Uh, and um, for higher traffic volume areas, um, six charging bays. 
uh, and uh, looking ahead in terms of um, future future capacity and uh, future um, expansion, uh, depending on um, uh, what happens with the um, extended range of um, vehicles. Uh, at the moment, it's uh, uh, most electric vehicles have commonly have a range uh, of around three to five four hundred uh, kilometres. Um, we're expecting uh, that uh, to increase um, pretty significantly um, over the next few years. In terms of energy supply, um, um, firstly, it's important to understand what is already available and what uh, is required, um, both um, now in the current situation and also in the future. For example, is, is there a need for a dedicated distribution transformer? And in rural areas, uh, what is the regional grid supply and demand? And should on-site solar or wind power be a consideration? Future-proofing, one, one of the important things that we're suggesting is um, usage is monitored. Um, and to make allowance for future space and energy demand as is required. Now, one of the um, key issues here is, is that, um, uh, as we said before, there's a, a multiplicity of um, charging types. And what we've looked to do here is, is summarize those um, in the um, guidelines, primarily, um, we have looked to focus on mode three and mode four um, for um, uh, different um, situations. Mode three primarily being um, uh, uh, using AC uh, and mode four uh, DC. There are a number of design considerations uh, and in the back of the guidelines uh, there is a fuller checklist to assist your um, preparations. What I would say though is that the overriding theme here in terms of these um, parameters and considerations uh, is um, to deliver a good customer experience for the use of the charging stations. Uh, so uh, whilst we might uh, consider all these different aspects, um, at the end of the day, we also need to be thinking from the customer perspective um, and what's important for them. Also, there's a variety of um, uh, plug types uh, and it would be difficult for us or uh, you as agencies uh, to make an allowance for every um, plug type. Therefore, we've provided some uh, recommendations uh, in terms of the key key ones to make allowance for. Uh, firstly, around um, DC fast chargers, so um, so-called Chatamo um, and the CCS Type Two, and for AC chargers, um, the Type Two Minikins. Roadmarking, signage, and wayfinding. So wayfinding is particularly uh, important for um, sites uh, that are just off highway. Uh, and um, uh, we have been working um, closely with uh, the um, project team that's been working on uh, roadmarking, signage, and, and wayfinding, um, particularly for electric vehicles. Um, it's all also has, so wayfinding in terms of um, sites off highway also has the additional benefit of promoting electric vehicles to the general public and mitigates the concern of range anxiety. Um, and the um, relevant uh, guide that we've been um, working to is the standardised signage and pavement uh, symbols for low and zero emission vehicles. Interop interoperability. 
there has been a lot of work internationally um, and in Australia and New Zealand uh, on this. Uh, and um, much of the work um, has been done, has included the development of open charge point protocols. Um, and we've given a very brief um, outline there in terms of that. Um, uh, I would um, say it's important, uh, obviously, to seek the support and input um, from your IT uh, sections within uh, the various um, agencies. Um, operating uh, the sites. Um, so the first thing, obviously, is around uh, having common safe charging practices. Um, it's important to use, obviously, um, uh, qualified people, including uh, electricians. Uh, in terms of the facilities themselves, um, smart enough to ensure proper connections between starting and automatically stopping when charged. Uh, payment systems, uh, and we're re recommending that they are via um, credit or um, debit cards. Communications and, and apps. Um, as, as most of you will probably know, there's generally a good range of apps that give a clear picture of what is available and when. Uh, and lastly, uh, there's a range of factors there in terms of uh, charge uh, security uh, to minimise um, problems and uh, fault, possible faults uh, with the sites. In terms of ongoing uh, maintenance of the sites, um, it's important that um, customers and operates, operators need the ability to monitor and or report any faults uh, and maintenance issues and have them responded to uh, in a, an efficient uh, manner. And lastly, um, there's the decommissioning. From all that we read, um, uh, there's no real guidance available, um, and that's uh, because uh, a lot of this uh, infrastructure uh, is relatively relatively new. Um, but there are some key principles there that we've um, set out. Feature technology, and I know this is. Um, uh, of uh, considerable interest uh, to people. Um, I've listed a, a little bit of uh, the technology that um, is around either now or likely to be coming up. Uh, firstly, around um, possibly a swappable um, batteries, which have been considered. At the moment, probably not uh, particularly practical, uh, given that there's a range of batteries available and uh, uh, stock. Uh, would be needed at each site. Um, secondly, um, uh, extending um, sites to uh, include uh, multimodal e-mobility um, charges, um, something uh, to be given uh, future consideration of. The next one is around bi-directional charging. An example of this is to allow uh, car batteries to power household appliances um, when not um, uh, when the car is not actually being used so it becomes effectively an extra uh, battery which is um, uh, available or storage battery that is available uh, and this can be used in uh, potentially in conjunction with DC microgrids uh, and the last one there is um, consideration of uh, battery and solar powered charging uh, station sites So I'll um, thank you for that, and I'll hand you back to um, Norman. Thanks a lot, David. Um, so the next part of the, the, the presentation is more around questions and answers from individuals out there. Um, so let's just stay on the line, David. Um, so some questions that come through, uh, one of the first ones was uh, so far, Larger grants are for DC stations, uh, but some older cars like Renault's mini hybrids 
uh, motorbikes only have AEC capability? What does your guideline say to account for drivers that only have a vehicle with AEC port? Uh, recommend always install an AEC at a site. Uh, some government grants not specified, does not specify that. Um, I think uh, part of the slide presentation, I think one of the slides mentions the type of ports to be uh, provided at these charging stations. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, David, I believe one of the things that we uh, talked about is including one uh, AC charging port. Um, so we do account for that. That, that's uh, correct, um, Norman, and, and uh, as uh, our uh, questioner uh, said um, quite rightly, um, uh, that there's um, still a very uh, significant range of vehicles um, out there, and um, certainly the feeling at the moment is to um, uh, uh, cover um, both both types, both general types, I should say. Yeah. Uh... Another question, seems like often stations are open 24 seven. How often do drivers charge up their cars in the dead of the night uh, when it's quite, when it's quite possibly nearby amenities are closed? Uh, I ask because it is a concern for driver safety while at the station at those times. Um, uh, I think, sorry, annoying. Yeah, that, that, I think we we did consider things like that. So one of the things we do talk about within the guidelines uh, is driver safety. Um, we talked about including things such as uh, cameras, uh, sensor lighting, so they activate when people are uh, in the vicinity, uh, and so forth. Um, can you think of anything else that we included around driver safety, David? Um, um, I think I think those were um, uh, the key. Key things. Um, uh, I guess the uh, key thing in terms of 24/7 uh, uh, operation is um, taking account both of the uh, security issues and um, potentially uh, um, uh, the number of people that might or might not be um, around, um, and also um, usage. Okay. Um, the next question. Uh, given type two has become the de facto standard for fast charging, would it be reasonable to roll out charges without Chardamo plugs? Um, to, to probably to kick, to, to kick start that up. So when we start the, the investigation for charging infrastructure, um, I think the, the two predominant plugs outside the Teslas was the, the Type 2 and the Chardamo plugs. Um, I believe there are still manufacturers producing vehicles which use the Chardamo plug. Um, so I'd probably say at this stage, um, based on our guidelines, we do recommend having both those plugs. Um, but I'd probably say moving forward, we probably need to review um, the guidelines quite regularly. Um, and some some conversations around um, is there a more prevalent um, plug over another, and we might have to revise the guidelines um, at that stage. Um, any other thoughts on that, David? No, no, I um, concur with that, um, uh, Norman. Um, so um, other than to say that it's um, a relatively um, fast moving area, um, so it's important considering where things are moving to, um, but also, uh, I think also uh, uh, making sure that we're uh, not too quickly um, dropping off what's already out there in the marketplace. Um, what is the comparative cost per kilometre for petrol versus electricity? Um, we don't, we didn't actually cover that as such. Um, and the, I'd probably say the variation in petrol prices uh, and I suppose even electricity prices are fluctuating. So I think we don't have, we haven't completed a comparison uh, between petrol versus electricity. Um, do you have any other comments in regards to that, David? Yeah, just to, um, to say, Norman, that um, a number of um, government government agencies basically have uh, undertaken a comparison of whole of life costs 
um, for electric vehicles um, versus uh, petrol-driven vehicles. Um, and um, I'm, I'm certainly aware that some of those uh, have got those on their um, website. So I'd suggest um, uh, go go to those and, and I would assume that they're keeping those reasonably up to date. Um, I've got an interesting question for you, David. Uh, a general question relating to EV charging in parking structures. Um, we see a lot of questions coming from develop, development clients on how to remove electric vehicles from car parks should the battery catch fire, uh, and also how to deal with the fire itself. Um, as a follow-up, many authorities are now specifying that parking structures are provided with the ability to accommodate EV charging for, for, all, for all spaces in the future even if the initial number of charging bays is small. Uh, this might be easy to do in terms of getting power to all spaces, but the fire requirements are very different. Um, for example, foam instead of water. Um, is there any guidance that can be provided on both these points? Um, I think we'll have to be honest, we didn't really consider how um, to handle vehicles and, and, and having vehicles removed when they catch fire. Um, so I think that's probably something we'll need to look at in the future. Um, a lot of it's based on operation in terms of uh, how providing infrastructure to allow people to use the, 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 the infrastructure itself. Uh, we didn't actually consider fire and so forth. Um, any thoughts on that, David? Um, uh, that, that's right, Norman. Um, um, the other thing that uh, I would um, add, primarily, um, we looked at um, uh, open um, public uh, spaces and uh, uh, facilities uh, in terms of the installation um, of these. Uh, I think it um, also does raise, though, the um, importance of um, having having these sites um, properly. Um, uh, installed um, and um, with um, uh, a number of the safety features that um, we've um, provided guidance on uh, in, in the um, uh, guidelines. So um, for, for example is, ma is making sure that um, charging stops um, once the um, battery is, is um, fully charged uh, etc and that will uh, it won't necessarily uh, stop 100% um, fire securing, but um, it will certainly minimise the uh, points at which it might happen. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, there's some questions around wheelchair access. Um, what do the guidelines say about ensuring wheelchair access? Um, can you expand on that? Um, then another question related to that is, uh, bays will have to be designed to allow wheelchair access ramp access to payment systems and the height of charging stations. Um, do they look wide and look look at how wheelchair accessibility is available? Um, do you want to answer that one, David? Um, yes, yeah, so um, the first thing in terms of the uh, um, bays um, themselves, um, obviously uh, important to um, allow for uh, certainly uh, suitably um, spaced bays and um, as said before there's um, good um, Ostroads guidance on that. Uh, we also uh, recommend in terms of considerations is as you say thinking about uh, ramp access uh, etc to the um, stations themselves um, and also considerations um, of uh, the height to make sure that the, um, uh, there's a good access um, to the um, cable cable equipment themselves. Mm -hmm. um, a, a question relating to bays. Um, does the guideline provide any information to inform the ideal number of charging bays, say X per hundred regular spaces? Um, is it okay to match supply and demand as the demand grows? Uh, what are we aiming for long term? Um, we do, we didn't actually. Uh, look at allocating X number of spaces per X number of bays. Um, what we looked at instead was the uh, vehicle traffic. 
Um, do you want to elaborate on that, David? Um, so, um, uh, what we took a um, consideration of um, was in terms of the, um, uh, in general, the existing situation and, and uh, looking at um, uh, sites, um, particularly uh, in New Zealand and in Queensland, which have um, installed um, significant networks uh, now of um, charging stations and uh, the number of um, bays they were actually providing. So we've used that as um, a bit of a, um, a, a basis um, uh, for our suggestions and, and uh, recommendations in terms of starting off. Um, as I say, we've also um, uh, suggested that it's important to um, uh, allow for our future proofing so that um, number of bays can be expanded if it's about um, or seeing that um, additional demand um, is is there. Uh, and I think it'll It'll end up being a little bit of a balance um, between, um, as I say, the, the range of vehicles uh, getting longer um, as batteries get better, um, and um, uh, and uh, 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 the number of um, charging stations that are actually um, provided, um, uh, particularly on the highway network. Mm -hmm. Uh, a question in regards to charging bay layouts and markings. Uh, is EV charging bay layouts, line markings and signage going to be integrated with Australian standards anytime soon? Um, so that's a really good question. Um, and I, um, it um, goes um, to the work uh, that the um, uh, uh, other associated um, project um, uh, was uh, was working on, so it was um, uh, looking at um, uh, road markings, um, signage, and uh, wayfinding, and uh, uh, looking at uh, developing a consensus um, around that. Norman, do you want to add anything further to that? Yeah, as you mentioned, the Osteros has got another project that's running. I, I believe that's actually finished and they've actually released guidelines um, in regards to recommendations, or sorry, guidelines about the type of signage um, that, that, that should be used. Um, it includes information such as uh, the signage at the parking spot itself, um, as well as information on what to be placed on static signs um, to, to sort of direct uh, users to these to these charging charging bays and, and, and charging charging spots, um, so I'll we'll look to provide a link to that information within the answers later on. Um, one of the, another question is: um, Will guidelines be updated? Um, I think the short answer to that is it, it, it will need to be updated. Um, I think a, a lot's changed um, since we started. And I think this is a space that's continuing continuing to evolve. Um, I think we sort of talked earlier on around the Chardamo plug. Um, so I think we will have to uh, update and look at updating these guidelines. Um, in terms of when that might happen, I'm not sure. We don't have any timeframe set for that. Um, but it is sitting with the Future Vehicles and Technology Program. Um, so we're going to look at a whole bunch of pro, uh, whole bunch of projects uh, and updating these guidelines is going to be one of those projects. Um, any other thoughts on in regards to that, David? Uh, no, I've got nothing to add, add to that. Um, is there any more information in regards to induction charging and hot swap? Um, do you want to take that one, David, or you? Or yeah, you so um, uh, uh, that, um, we did come across uh, a little bit of literature around that, um, uh, but I'd um, put it in the um, uh, emerging future uh, technologies um, uh, space. So um, uh, I, I think that's um, still got a little way to be uh, developed. Um, uh, to be considered um, <clears throat> on uh, uh, practical installations. Yeah, um, just in addition, to this, so um, uh, induction charging and hot swaps and things like that, that's relatively new technology as we've discussed. Um, and I think 
as we move forward, I think we'll need to investigate that a little bit more. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, David, towards the end of the guidelines, there's a section about um, uh, future things to examine. So I think yes. I'm pretty yeah. sure we captured um, hot swapping of batteries. So that's effectively taking out the old used battery and replacing with a new one, as well as induction charging um, in, that, in that section. Uh, correct, and, and um, just to uh, reiterate um, what I said about um, uh, swappable batteries or swapping uh, batteries, um, that's practical and it is done, I think, in uh, some situations, particularly uh, mainly with trucks. Um, uh, but the key issue here is um, at any particular site, um, you would need a whole range of um, batteries uh, given the, the number that are out there at the moment. Mm. Uh, another question, David. Uh, any provision for the information on how far the next charger or if it's working at the moment? Uh, I know people are getting stuck when the charge is out of order or they don't have enough battery to reach the next charging point. Um, so it's more around uh, information, providing information to the people about uh, uh, where the charging points are and availability charging ports. Um, I think one of the things we sort of discussed in the guidelines uh, is um, providing information to end users. Um, it's not something that we're going to cover too much. Uh, what we do suggest is um, having that information readily available, which then can be used by app developers and so forth to access and create apps, uh, which, which informs individuals where the charging points are, um, how many points are available um, and so forth. Um, anything else you want to add in regards to that, David? I think just um, to say that um, uh, there are um, a lot of good um, apps um, out in the marketplace, um, generally provided by um, operators and, and uh, third, third parties, which provide a good range of uh, information. Um, I think um, uh, a lot of um, uh, transport agencies, um, uh, their main policy is um, be able to provide what information uh, is needed and allowing third parties to um, uh, pick that up for, and, and providing the um, apps for people. So I think if people um, are using uh, those apps um, properly, uh, that should, well, the idea is that that will mitigate or minimise um, uh, those times that they might actually run out of um, charge before they can get to a charging station. Mm -hmm. um, do we have any guides on the approach for installing charges within multi-tenant multi commercial offices, uh, mainly with respect to estimating how many may be needed in consideration for both usage demand and opportunities for sharing? Um, I'd probably start that one off by saying that's actually outside the scope of this particular project. Um, so we didn't really focus on um, charging infrastructure for, uh, for, for commercial purposes. Um, our, our, the primary, primary objective um, is to develop guidelines for the members, which are predominantly state authorities. Um, so we do have a thought that we do need to keep in mind that there are um, commercial um, commercial commercial uses for this, um, but that hasn't been the primary focus of this particular set of guidelines. Um, anything else you want to add to that, David? Uh, just uh, um, that, that's quite right in terms of the scope of this particular um, uh, project and, and uh, guidance. Uh, having said that, there has been um, some work done between New Zealand and Australia uh, uh, looking at um, standards uh, which I believe also does uh, incorporate um, commercial buildings. Mm. Uh, just trying to, um, uh, why is mobile data and network coverage important for site selection? Um, I'd probably say that the key thing here is probably more around payment systems and so forth. And, and, I think it's 
the focus here is more in the rural context where people don't have connections to 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 the network and so forth so um, for payments if, if people are using credit cards and so forth um, you need some sort of a mobile coverage um, and things like that is is there anything else you want to add in regards to that david um don't think so um or do, um norman do you just want to repeat the first part of that question which was um uh i think if i understand it correctly it was just around uh why monitoring of um usage might be required um just in terms of determining the number of stations yeah so, so this is more why is mobile data and network coverage important for site uh, select right yeah um, but but you're right in in terms of um, having coverage. Um, it's probably also important that we can get information from um, the actual charging infrastructure. Um, is it available? Is it being utilised? Um, how long before it's free and so forth? So um, that's one of the reasons for um, mobile data mobile data or network coverage. Um, as I said, it's predominantly for rural areas where there might be limited uh, connectivity in those in those areas. Um, who, who pays for electricity and infrastructure? Um, I think that that's once again, I'd probably say outside the scope of this particular set of guidelines. Uh, what we're looking at doing is providing information on what's required um, in terms of the approval, um, installation, uh, maintenance, and even decommissioning of the sites. Um, so we don't actually looking at we're not actually looking at um, who pays for electricity and infrastructure and so forth. Um, so that's probably outside the scope of the, the, the documentation. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, did you have anything else you want to add, David? Uh, no, not, not a bit of a stage. That's um, in terms of uh, questions. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Ekaterina, I guess I'll hand it back to you then. Is she there? Yep, I'm here. There you are. Thanks, thanks Norman. Thank you, David. Uh, thanks for the fantastic uh, and very interesting presentation. Uh, and thanks to our audience for all your questions. And we do have um, a few left and we will respond to them after this session. Um, so I just have a couple of slides left to finish the webinar, uh, so we won't keep you for too long. Um, we have a few sessions coming up uh, in November and December. Uh, we will cover a variety of projects and subjects in those sessions, so to find out more about each of them and to register, if you haven't already, uh, please visit Austria's website. Um, and after we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Uh, please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. It really helps us uh, to know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Uh, once again, today's webinar is being recorded and we will send you the link uh, to the recording when it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Um, stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day.